All righty. Welcome back, people. First one we're going to chat about, we're not, uh, for a long time, the media coverage was based around like we're coming into a rental shortage. We're going to have issues housing the people already in Australia. We're in it now. It's already happening in a lot of the country. Um, bar maybe Melbourne and Sydney, it's close to impossible to get into a rental because there's not enough housing. So um, SQM Research, which is one of the housing uh, data analytics companies we follow online, they all of their uh, research is for free online. And you can subscribe to a newsletter of theirs that's like once a week that, that gives you like auction listings and results as well as other things. So they were showing proof that our vacancy rate nationally has fell to the lowest level since 2006. So in August, the national vacancy rate was 0.1, uh, 0.9%. It's the, um, the, the lowest we've had in, in a long, long time. Um, state by state, the lowest um, by state, Adelaide has the lowest vacancy rate, point, uh, 0.3%, Perth 0.4%, Hobart 0.5%. So the number of vacant rentals across Australia hit 32,948, down from 36,000 the previous month. So in the past 13 days to uh, in the past like 30 days to mid-September, asking rents have increased 2.6% based on the comp the competition of people trying to get into the market um, across capital cities on an annual basis. Asking rents have increased 20.1%. So it's obvious that th this needs to be addressed. Um, it doesn't really seem like governments are going to do anything about that. So um, if you're renting be aware that maybe uh, you'll either be looking at having a, a much higher rent going up once you leave your, uh, if you wanted to renew your lease um, or if you chose to move to, cause you want to try find another place to live moving cities for a new job that you might really struggle to find a place to live going forward. Just your thoughts, I guess, on it and, and where you think we're going to go from here. Yeah, look, no surprise whatsoever. Like we've been talking about this for the last year about um, you know the the ridiculous policies that have basically caused investors to sell. Um, you know, investors have had enough. Um, they're selling. Um, you know, the loonies think that when when an investor sells a property, that a mag you know, magically someone who's renting buys the property. It just doesn't happen. Um, you know, thirty percent. You know, from the census and from stats from the last fifty years, thirty to thirty-five percent of people in Australia rent, and that's because they either choose to rent, um, they don't have the income to buy, they don't have the equity to buy. Um, so yeah, that's you know, Simon Presley said it a year ago, and no one's listening. So I think the only real thing, as you mentioned, it's a good good thing to think about for people renting, is that if you're in a property, you're lucky. And if the rent if rent's going up, just you know, take a look at it and see whether you're better off staying there and paying the extra rent, or whether you're better off, um, um, yeah, you might be able to find another place or or whatever. But um, yeah, no, no rules. And you know, then we have a skills summit that says we're going to bring in two hundred thousand new people. You know, where are they where are they going to live? Um, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. But anyway. Um, Another thing going much, forward, yeah. we knew it was coming, and it's come. We knew it was coming, and it's coming. And another yeah. thing we we're going to chat about going forward, and it's going to be um, a bit of a um, talking point for a couple of the topics this week, 
on the show. It's all about household spending. So um, the yeah. RBA, the Reserve Bank, they use the cash rate that they change month to month to affect the price of borrowing money. So if you're on a variable rate home loan, when the RBA raises the rate or lowers the rate, the banks you're borrowing from are expected to change their rates accordingly. Yeah. And when we're in a period of high inflation where the cost of living is going up, the RBA uses the cash rate as a tool to affect how people spend their money and affect the consumer or demand side of the supply demand equation, which is how inflation sort of comes about. So what's going on right now, the RBA is raising rates and hoping that that means that the cost of paying off your mortgage goes up and consumers then reduce the amount of money they're spending on everyday goods or entertainment services, coffees, going out and spending money at retail shops, you know? So then as a result, mm-hmm. the demand side of supply demand, the that equation goes down and then the cost of things starts to, to level out as a result. That's sort of their goal right now. Um, Part yeah. of consu- consumer spending is sort of one of the things they look at and how that changes to then decide whether they keep raising rates or lowering them because once they see that consumer spending is dropping, that's that's one of the indicators for them that they can start lowering their rate rises or you know stabilizing them. So there's this economist from AMP Capital. Her name's Diana Messina. We I'm going to try to get her on the show. Um, And she had an article talking about the wealth effect. And it's a concept referring to a change in consumer spending following adjustments to household wealth. So if 60 or so percent of Australians' wealth is in housing, that means a lot of people in Australia, their net wealth is tied to how much their properties are worth. If they have one, they have two, yada, yada. So the, the point is that as the housing market enters a downturn, which in some parts of the country it is, household spending will will enter a decline because when when you feel like your assets are worth more you feel more confident to spend money on on discretionary things like new sneakers or going out for dinner with your missus things of that nature but it works in the opposite yeah. when you feel like your assets are worth less and going down if you notice that your house or houses around you are dropping in value that sort of might play into your psyche on how you choose to spend your money going forward. And it was an interesting concept. And I just sort of wondered, do you think that this might play a role in how people spend their money in the coming months? Yeah, absolutely. Like what we're seeing now is as interest rates are going up, consumer sentiments dropping, um, business sentiments dropping, um, you know, people are seeing, their mortgage repayments go up. Um, if you're an investor, your loan repayments are going up and you're passing that on some of those costs where you can to the tenant through increased rent. And I think one of the stats from SQM showed that rents went up 20% last year. So basically what the Reserve Bank's trying to do to um, halt runaway inflation is... Um, take money out of take discretionary money out of the economy so that people um, you know reduce their spending so we reduce demand to allow supply to catch up but <clears throat> I just wonder whether a better thing would be to um, maybe just let inflation go for a little while 
um, look, and look, I'm not an economist. Um, I just think, wonder whether, you know, at the start of the year, there was all this talk about how we needed people to spend the $200 billion that they'd saved during the pandemic. People have gone and done that, and the rewards been increased interest rates. So I think there's a fair bit of cynicism around, uh, especially when the Reserve Bank governor said as early as this year that rates would not rise till 2024, and then they've whacked people with five interest rate rises in a row. So, um yeah, the we got a lot of a lot of clients of ours, and a lot of people generally will be coming off pretty low fixed two year rates um, and three year rates over the next um, you know the coming months to twelve months, and their repayments are going to go up quite significantly. So I don't I don't think we've I, I think we we haven't even we haven't seen the start of this yet. I think there's a long way to go, and that there will be a lot of uh, people who will. Um, yeah, they'll pull back their spending um, and that will have impact across the share market um, because, you know, some of, the, some of those companies that go really good during booms like your JB Hi-Fi's and Harvey Normans and those sorts of places, you know, they'll be, they'll be going backwards. Um, you know, it's probably a good time to buy bank stocks, um, even though I'm not a financial planner. It's just, just you know, something that, that you know, might be worth looking at. But um so yeah, look, no, no real surprise. Um, hopefully, the Reserve Bank is getting intel from people to say that, yeah, they might have, they might just need to wait to see how these rate rises go before they start whacking again. And look, it's all also like Australia. The Australian economy is tied to the US, and the US are talking about putting up rates one percent in the next couple of days. So yeah, it's just it's. At, you know, at the moment, you know, we've been talking for the last year or two about the need to watch your budget, to use the four-coloured pen to go through your expenses and to um, strip out the things you don't really need to spend money on, um, try and trim back um, the things you do need to spend money on um, and build buffers in your repayments and put money aside um, hopefully people have done that. If they haven't, um, it's not too late to start. And if you need help, just um, give us a shout. Yeah. Um, the last one is sort of a, an argument for maybe um, why Australia won't enter a, a recession, which I thought we could cover just to sort of give the, the other side of the coin. There's a lady called, uh, Jesus, I'm not actually sure how this person identifies by their name, Joe Masters, but it's J-O, yep. so I don't really know. Um, they're an economist at Baron Joey Markets. They had an article in the Fin Review that we thought we'd cover. Um, Masters doesn't expect a recession uh, in the Aussie economy, more so a soft landing where we will have some financial difficulties across the economy, but it's not going to be a full-blown recession. She talks about how uh, Australia's got a standing as a exporter of both food and energy. Um, so we're sort of, uh, as opposed to some other parts of the country where we don't have really strong markets for uh, commodities like energy and food that other countries love buying from us. Like we, we export a lot of meat uh, to other parts of the country, uh, other parts of the world, uh, uh, especially Asia. So that sort of is keeping some of our parts of the economy stronger than others. Um, they also noted that due to all the issues with the Russia-Ukraine war that's ongoing that started back in February, 
that that disrupted a lot of different supply chains across that part of the world. Uh, and as a result, the energy prices for like things like coal soared. And because we're a big exporter of coal, we're sort of got some, we've got some, uh, we're still making a bit of money in other place, other parts of the economy, as opposed to all of it going down. And they also noted that even though consumer spending is looking like it's plateauing in Australia, it never got to the high levels that the US got to in the past couple of months that now America seems to be in a recession as a result. So it, it, there's sort of an argument from what Masters is saying that we might still, we'll definitely go through some issues in her opinion, but it's not going to be a full-blown recession because we've got that good backbone of like strong commodity pricing that we're selling, good export, exporting of foods and other goods. So I don't know. I, I don't know how to feel about where we're where we're headed or where we are currently because I don't even some people believe we're already in in like a downturn so I just found it interesting and thought we could cover it quick yeah, cool so basically like the the technical definition of a recession is two quarters of negative growth so um in the US they've had two quarters so they're technically in recession um, but I think what um, the government in America did and said, oh, maybe we, we, we need to redefine what a recession is, um, which is, you know, typical response. A bit like, you know, you've got, if you're employed for one hour a week, um, you're, in, you're, you're employed, you're not unemployed. So um, anyway, there you go. Um, look, who, who knows that's going to pan out? Like, luckily for Australia, the coal price and iron ore prices are at record highs because, you know, everyone's building uh, around the country or around the world, so they need steel. Um, so they need iron ore to make the steel and they need coal to, you know, fire up the manufacturing plant. So, um, and I read, it was in the Fin Review yesterday, that, you know, because of the, um, the you know, record coal prices and the really low unemployment rate, um, Australia's tax receipts are quite high. So, you know, the budget deficit may not be as bad as everyone thought, but um, if the government owes lots of money and the price of money goes up through interest rates, well, the, the, you know, the government's got to find more money to fund those, um, you know, fund those increased interest repayments. So, you know, that's probably why you see before the RBA announcements, um, Aldo and the, and the Treasurer basically not really telling the RBA to what to do, but sort of strongly suggesting that maybe they should, you know, wait to see what's happening a bit because, you know, they don't want interest rates to go up because it costs the government more money to fund services. So, but, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to know what, what's going to happen. Like the property prices are going down, but some of the stats show that a lot of that is at the higher end, you know, that, you know, places at the sort of um, first home buyer level and you know, under a million aren't really being impacted that yeah, as much as the others. So I think in the end, it's like anything, um, you know, if, if you're looking to buy a property, the best time to buy is when you can afford it, um, whether that's as a rent investor, yeah, living in Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, it's cheaper to rent than buy. So you keep renting for your lifestyle and where you work and buying a growth location for you know, three, four hundred grand with a property that still um, will probably cover its own costs. 
or whether you buy a place to live in. So, um, and you know, as you mentioned before, with with what's happening with rentals, um, you know, some people will decide, look, we don't want to be renters anymore. We want our own place because we don't want to get something from the landlord every year saying the rent's going up 10%. So, um, look, who knows what's going to happen. If we could predict the future, that'd be great. But uh, unfortunately, we can't. So, you know, you've sort of got to look at history and see what's happened and say, so, yeah, is that likely to happen again? And normally it does. So just um, with, with everything, just get your plan, get your um, get a group of people who can help you with knowledge and, um, you know, whether it's buying property or getting a good loan or whatever, whatever you're doing, you know, investing in super, that sort of thing. So, yeah, and if, if you need help, give us a shout. And if we can't help, we'll uh, put you in contact with people that can. There were a couple, a couple of topics you wanted to cover on your end. The main one I thought we could start yeah. with was the generational living one, the multi-generational. That one's really interesting if we could start there. Yeah. Look, it's one of the things that um, this is more prevalent in European countries and around Asia um, where their culture is more around, you know, hanging around your family. Um, you know, in Australia, you know, most, most kids when they get to um, – 18 to 20 might go off to uni or, you know, they can't wait to get out of the house and they want to live by themselves and rent with mates and all that sort of stuff. Um, where they're saying that in Italy, over 65% of people, 18 to 34, live at home with their parents. 76% um, of people, 18 to 35, in Hong Kong, mainly because of high housing prices. Like it's we've got a client in Hong Kong and, and, and the rent is ginormous. So what they're sort of thinking um, is that we'll probably see more multi-generational households. And one of one of um, the, you know, a company we do a bit of work with, um, and this is not spruiking their services, this is just something they do. They build four-bed, two-bath, two-garage houses with an attached one-bed, one-bath granny flat. And you know, their main market is people over 50 who want to live in a granny flat um, and have their kids living next door. So that when the kids or if the kids have got kids, so and the, the older couple have grandkids, um, it saves on saves on childcare costs for the kids and also as the as the parents age um, will hopefully help keep them out of a nursing home because they've got more social interaction and um, and um, you know are adding adding value to the kids' lives and you know that sort of thing. So mm. I think this thing will become more prevalent. I think that I can't, I didn't see the stat in the census about the average age of people living with their parents, but I imagine, you know, we we have more clients who are still living with their parents um, as they save for a deposit or um, just get their, you know, pay off some debt or that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, there's pros and cons for it, but in the end you've sort of got to, you know, put down on the, put on one side of the sheet what are the benefits and put down on the other side, you know, what are the costs and then work out whether it's a good thing for you or not. And, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a, um, it's it's going to be a growing trend, I feel. Yeah. They could always just figure out how to build more houses, but what do I know, huh? It's fucked. Oh, what for sure. But, but one of the things is you might, you might have, um, like, kids who, um have just started jobs um yeah so they actually need to um save some money 
um, to get like 5% to get on the 5% deposit scheme or or with another lender. Um, you know, they might have returned from overseas. They might have uh, credit issues. Um, yeah, there's there's any number of reasons. Did you want to cover? We had a couple more to cover, yeah, Dave. Yeah, a couple of other ones. Um, quite a lot of people are refinancing at the moment. Um, we're getting a lot of uh, refinancing activity. Um, yeah, as we've said in previous podcasts, existing customers pay around 08 to 0.9% higher on their mortgage um, interest rate than new customers. So if you've got a half a million dollar loan, you're potentially paying four to four and a half grand a year more in interest. So that's just not your repayment, that's just the interest. So you could be paying $80 to $90 a week more in interest than the person who just got the, the loan, just got a loan from the same bank. So what the process is um, for our clients is if they want to refinance, we will always talk to their existing bank to see what the bank will do and then get that in writing. And then if the bank is not willing to come to the party, we'll give the client options for moving. And you know, generally that comes with quite an interest rate saving plus some lenders, not all, but some offer you know pretty generous refinance cashbacks because they do realize that you know the loan application process is a bit like getting root canal at the dentist. Um, yeah, you know, it's not great, but has good result. So um yeah. Um so yeah, you know, the, the application process is a bit sort of a bit convoluted and that sort of stuff is don't know you've just found out. So um yeah, that's one thing. The other thing I just want to talk about, just with, with preparing for a loan application, um, one of the biggest issues we have with people under 35 is the amount of credit facilities they have. So they may not have a credit card now, like we all used to, but they've normally got a latitude interest-free. They'll have zip pay, after pay, paying for all manner of things. Now, when you're looking at applying for a home loan, um, just get rid of all those things. Just just cancel them, get rid of them, get a get a closure letter. It just saves so much time and hassle. Um, a lot of those facilities don't give statements, so they'll get we get screenshots of what people have sent. Um, it doesn't tell us what the limit is. It doesn't even tell us who the person is. It could it could have been anybody. So if you're looking at applying for a loan. The first thing you need to do, get you get a copy of your credit report and you can go to my credit file um, and get a free copy of your credit report from Equifax. If your credit score is below very good, you need to talk to someone about it because we've had quite a few people whose credit score is good or average. Um, it's a red flag for a bank. Why is that like that? Is it because of too many credit applications or is it because people have had defaults or not paid bills on time? So the, you know, it's, it's almost like when you're going to sell your house, you declutter the house, you get rid of all your crap. Um, so when you're looking at preparing, a, looking at going for loan, if you've got five credit facilities that you're not using, get rid of them. Um, we have people who go, oh, I've got a $15,000 Amex card, but there's nothing on it. That's great, but the bank will still assess you as if you have $15,000 on it. So if you don't need it, get rid of it. Um, it's the biggest holdup um, and the biggest issue trying to explain to banks, you know, why people have so many credit facilities. 
and yeah, it's convenient. You know, you go into the shop. Yeah, you might buy a new pair of running shoes for 200 bucks and they go, well, would you like to pay it in four repayments of 50 bucks? And you go, yeah, why not? Um, so you sign up for an account. Um, I don't know whether the vendor gets anything for every account they sign up. I'm not too sure. So, you know, usually places like Harvey Norman and those sorts of things, they make more money on the finance than they do on the products. So whereas they're convenient, when you're applying for a loan, they are a hindrance, get rid of them. That's that's the thing. Um, the only other thing, you mentioned the thing about the rental market crisis. Um, I'm not sure if we chatted about this last week, but about the revert rate. Now, if you're on a fixed rate loan, at the end of the fixed rate period, you will automatically go on to the bank's revert rate, which is normally their standard variable rate, sometimes with a small discount for being a good you know, an existing customer. Now, if you're on a high one or low 2% rate, your rate will double when you come off your fixed rate. So if you're not making extra repayments while you're on that lower rate, you need to be doing it now. You need to be factoring them in that when you come off your fixed rate, your repayments are going to go up significantly. Now, um, they, call, they call it the fixed rate cliff. Um, it's it's starting to happen. We've got a couple of our clients that we're helping um, manage through it because rate, you know, we'll, we'll end up taking them to a new lender who will give them a better deal than the, the lender they're with. But, um, yeah, just, just be careful with that. So um, that was probably all, of, uh, all I had. Beautiful. As always, guys, um, uh, a podcast came out on Monday, just gone. With Simon Presley, you may have seen him on Channel Nine, like a couple in the in the coming days as well, uh, talking about the rental crisis. We spoke about that. We spoke spoke about the housing crash and how the media is portraying the housing crash. It was quite an interesting conversation we had, and he sort of finished the convo by explaining to us why why some people consider getting into investing in the first place and how. Uh, for a lot of people, unless you've you've really put money away with super and things of that nature and been smart with your money long term, your super and the pension are not enough in a lot of cases. So he explained all of that and more. That podcast is is out there. There'll be a couple of podcasts coming out in the coming weeks with people from um, with experience from the big banks uh, working in different parts of the big banks uh, industry, as well as the property investing side of things too, to talk about the rental crisis, as well as some of the government changes they're looking to implement at policy level and whether they're going to affect the rental market positively or negatively. So if you want to check those out, they'll be coming out too. So if you want to subscribe to the podcast, you know how to do it at this point, check it out on Spotify. Uh, if you want to learn more about what we do as a business, we have a company called Money Saver Home Loans. Uh, you can look up, up just moneysaverhomeloans.com.au and you'll find all the relevant information. We've got a bunch of free calculators, borrowing capacities, budgeting tools. If you're ever trying to figure out how to properly manage your budget, tools like ours or just online, check them out. Just we're not so we're not super worried about if you use us particularly. We just want you to be going in the direction of bettering and improving your financial situation, however that looks for you. And that's it. So have a good week and we'll talk to you all later.